it's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. I'm laughing for a reason you don't understand, and I'm not going to let you in on that, Joe. Uh, this is the only movie podcast that offers objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, shooting at the walls of heartbreak, he is a warrior, it's Anthony James. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hello, Conrad, how are you today? I'm very well. I'm very well. I I I, uh, I managed to. I'll be honest. Normally, I have those um, little. I don't know what you call it. Like an intro quote for you. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I have I have them pre-written. Pre pre-written. Pre-written. Yeah. <laughs> pre-written. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have them pre-written. Oh, I've got a cat. Um, pre-written well in advance, but I forgot to do it for this one, so I had to do that. Uh, like 10 minutes before we started recording so I just used the lyrics from a very good song nothing well, to do with movies absolutely fine that's absolutely fine with me you don't have to have any movies at all um, in fact are we talking about a movie this week or we are. Some... Oh, we are <laughs> we are okay. talking about people shooting at each other it doesn't really happen in this movie but people fight and they're that mm-hmm. that's tangentially related to the idea of being a warrior um, yeah we're here to talk about Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, the good movie that he made in 2021. Yes, that's right, actually, because he released two within a month, didn't he? The other one was the Lady Gaga... Um, yeah, oh, Sorry, the... Uh, yeah, yeah, the... The... the, uh, the, the oh, what's his name? Jared Leto film. You know, the Jared Leto yes. vehicle. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Uncle Uncle Gucci movie, or whatever. Like, I can't remember. What's his name? Paolo. 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 Um, <laughs> Like, Before we go in, Conrad, did you know that I think Mark Commode, the British uh, um, film reviewer, must have predicted that, like, I, I'm assuming he hated it, uh, but he must have predicted that uh, Paolo Gucci was going to earn Jared Leto a, a nomination, and uh, he got, yeah. like, a Screen Actors Guild nomination or something yes, he like did. that? Yes, it, it was in all the, all the, <laughs> the, like, the trades the other week, like, Variety and Hollywood Reporter and Deadline, they're all like... He's got a SAG and a SAG nomination and well deserved, yeah. and it was like, this is outrageous. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's just it's like they don't pay attention to the people who are arguing that it's just the most acting is what gets awards rather than like good acting. It's like Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio went and lived in a cave with a bear for two years <laughs> yeah. when he was making The Revenant. That deserves an award. Um, yeah. And I don't mean to come after Leo. Leo's a very good actor. But that's the kind of thing that gets like attention for awards rather than like any kind of subtle performance. And as if we needed more proof, Jared Leto getting a nomination. Paolo good. Paolo. It's just like <laughs> the most... It's There's no subtlety to it. But anyway, we'll talk about it. We're going to get into it. But like, without further ado... Let's talk about some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. Movies. Ridley Scott ones, to be precise. Um, He Mm -hmm. made... We've already said he made two of them last year. Um, This actually, to be honest, this joke that I have pre-written and I'm going to read out more or less verbatim doesn't really work now because we've already talked about the House of Gucci. So you've kind of of blown up my spot here a little bit. But I'm going to persevere with it. Yeah. Because I'm a pro. And we're just going to carry on regardless. So, begin joke. The open parentheses, here is joke. (laughs) One of them, Ridley Scott made two movies this year. One of them was a soaring example of layered performances in a richly developed period setting, and the other was The Last Duel. (laughs) There you go. That's a joke. Uh, House of Gucci is a bad movie. So, um, Yes, it is. (laughs) 
Last. It's a. It's a weird. It's like the duality of man, really, Scott's twenty twenty one. Because the last duality of man. Last year, it was well, very good. Um, it was made for Disney. And was definitely, I don't think there's any argument, or, well, may, maybe you'll have a different opinion on, on this. I'll be interested to hear your take on it. But uh, to my mind, I don't think there's much argument that the, la- the Last Duel is the better of the two films that Ridley Scott's uh, made last year. No Though arguments if- here. Okay, but so some people apparently disagree with that. Because if you look at the figures... Um, of course. This has become, to my mind, uh, The Last Duel, that is, has become the latest in the rich tradition of Ridley Scott movies that are actually really good films, but have become uh, complete box office flops. So, obviously, I don't think Last Duel was helped by being more of a Disney Plus straight-to-streaming release. Um, Literally within a month, it was on it was on yeah. streaming services. Yeah, so this, it, it does, like, but I mean, that speaks potentially to Disney's faith in it. Well, it, I guess... That's a slightly cynical way of looking at it because you could say they're sticking Pixar movies straight to streaming because they want people to get Disney Plus. And well, yes, I, I think trip. personally as well, uh, Conrad, I also researched it a little bit and apparently, because I was thinking about Ridley Scott, you know, and I, this is a good film and I understand why he was annoyed people didn't go see it. I understand that. Throwing accusations on, you know, younger generations. <laughs> yeah, looking at we were phones. all on our phones yeah. and I, I say we because I am still a millennial. You can't get rid of me that easily. He tweeted um, that on a phone though, I think. So that's it's a bit of a moot point. But, my, but the, I looked it up and apparently that whenever Disney acquired Fox, um, this film came with it, right? Okay. And th- this was... One of the hangers on from the old Fox regime that Disney just saw out con- uh, contractually. So I okay. would imagine Disney wasn't very hot on this one. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't necessarily see this bringing in subs. They just didn't have the faith to put a big marketing push behind it and put it out yeah, in um, exactly in cinemas. Which is a shame because yeah, as I say, in cinemas for the. 36 hours that it was actually available to watch in cinemas it made as well that i clearly just influenced the number of hours i picked there by reading the figure that i was about to say because the figure it made was 30.6 million worldwide at the, bo- <laughs> <laughs> at the box office um that's compared to house of gucci's 145 is that the opening million. weekend or is that overall? no that's 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 gross so far so it really didn't make very much money in the box office um, that is that's surprising that that is so low but i but i imagine it was a weird moment Right, I think that Spider-Man got everyone back to the cinema. Yes. You know, I think pandemic movies can be viewed pre-Spider-Man and post-Spider-Man, um, and I think that I think that it makes sense in a way. But thirty is seems quite low, and there was maybe it's because there was no advertising for it. You know, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was not in cinemas for very long at all. It was literally. I wanted to go and see it, but by the time I'd heard that it had been released, I was I wasn't like actively looking for it. I was waiting to see like an advert for it or something. And by the time I'd heard it was released, it was already not in cinemas anymore. So it, yeah, mm. it was a real a real blink and you'll miss it kind of release, um, and that no doubt hurt its ability to draw. Um, well, I, I, there's been no sort of buzz around it in terms of negativity, though. It, no, you know when I when I like. It is strange that it's made so. It is it is far better than House of Gucci. I suppose mm. it doesn't have the same mainstream appeal as House of Gucci in terms of name brand value. But um, yeah, but yeah, it is surprising. Definitely, it There's, is strange. as Well, that it came out a month after House of Gucci, whenever they both were directed by Ridley Scott and both starred Adam Driver. Very strange. 
Yes, it is weird. I mean, I guess he just he had Adam Driver there, and he was bringing him back and forth between the two sets. Yeah. Just like uh, that's that's actually not true. It, it fi- finished filming this. I think they filmed it in like 2019 or something, and they would mm-hmm. like there was some kind of delays, uh, probably to do with the Disney acquisition of Fox actually that stopped it from coming out. But this this one's been done for a while. Um, so okay, let's talk about it then. So it's Last Jewel 2021 movie. It's uh, directed by Ridley Scott, written by. The dream team of Goodwill Hunting Oscar winners Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, the only who... film they've written together since Goodwill Hunting, I believe. Yes, yeah, and and there's actually a very interesting thing about the way this is written. So they wrote the first two acts, mm-hmm. um, which I'll explain in a second. The third act was written by a, a writer I've not heard of before, but Nicole Holofcena, um, mm-hmm. who took charge of writing the female character's perspective um which i think was a really interesting a really interesting way to split up the writing duties um and essentially the last duel tells the story of a knight called jean de carouge uh i really get to lean into my french accent here jean de carouge yeah a true story as well it's worth saying it is yes and uh yeah squire jacques legree they basically fight a duel to the death the last uh the last judicial duel fought in france um over a claim according to i i I think apparently there was one like two years late 200 years later but it's one of the final well that one wasn't a judicial Ah, so so basically um the 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 distinction is that the winner of this duel was uh innocent or to be innocent or guilty of the crime based on the outcome of the duel whereas the later duels were just like i don't like you i'm gonna fucking kill you yeah yeah but um but yeah so uh there is a claim that legree uh raped uh caruja's wife marguerite and it, this is essentially told from the perspective of all three uh, individuals over three acts, three points of view uh, chapters in a story mm-hmm. spanning multiple years. So I, I will say, just um, to get out ahead of it as a content warning to anyone who's you know maybe may sensitive to this stuff, we're going to have to talk about sexual assault and, uh, and 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 rape in this because it is central to the story. So just be warned yeah. that we're going to yeah. talk about that. Um, so the book that this is based on is called The Last Duel, A True Story of Trial by Combat in Medieval France by Eric... I'm going to say Jaeger? Or, uh, I, I don't think it's Jaeger. I've, that doesn't sound like a real name to me. Jaeger. Uh, Jaeger. Um, <laughs> perhaps. Um, but yeah, so it's about the last uh, the last judicial duel fought in France. So it is a true story, and uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's parts of the screenplay draw directly from the facts of that. Obviously, they toss it up a little bit to you know, make it a, make a movie out of it. The yeah. third act um, is entirely fictional, and I feel like that kind of thematically works quite well because women didn't get to write accounts of their events back in medieval France. In uh, fact, I wasn't expecting it to happen because of that. I thought that they wouldn't do that because because certain aspects of the Legree storyline felt already harsh enough, and then whenever yeah. it actually came to the female's perspective, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is really really, really well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, first things first. Then, did you did you know anything about this kind of like interesting plot structure going into the movie? No, I knew nothing. I, I all I knew that there was going to be a duel, which was considered the last. I knew nothing about this movie except for that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote it. In fact, I didn't even know. I think the last time I looked about this, like, saw about this music movie, was back whenever Ben Affleck was still cast as Legree himself. And then they have to change because of scheduling conflicts. So I honestly didn't even know going into this that Ben Affleck wasn't going to be a big role in it. So I was really surprised at how much I liked this movie, to be honest. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I absolutely was as well. I went in, as I do with most Ridley Scott movies, being like, I love some Ridley Scott movies, but I feel like he's a director who in the past 20 years has really struggled to recapture um his his top form um mm -hmm. and this i think is approaching it so i mean it's essentially kind of like a a rashomon style thing like three different people telling their version of events yes um the i think the distinction between um the the kurosawa movie rashomon and this one is that uh, with Rashomon, it kind of plays with the idea of who's telling the truth, what what you know, what, what interrogates the nature of of truth and how our own of, uh, perception of events is coloured yes. by who we are. In this, it's very clear who's telling the truth, and I think that's a good decision. Um, to and be it's no, but the thing is, I, okay, I'm going to be really controversial. Maybe I think okay. they're all telling the truth, but there is only one truth. They all think they are telling the truth. It's the perspective yeah. of each. I, I do. I that, that's the conversation I was having with uh, my wife throughout this film because obviously there's a lot of stuff that's been going on in the world recently in recent years, especially in here in Ireland. There has very timely there has been a woman who has been murdered in the last um, in the last few weeks, which has yeah. been big big news and sparked a lot of debate about how we can sort of you know move forward as a society and stop this from happening this this abuse. Um, now it's interesting that uh, it's 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 interesting that. Adam Driver's character Legree never uh, believed to his, you know, to to the point in which the fil the film concludes, never believed that he did anything wrong, and I think that is because he truly believed that, and mm -hmm. that's one of the one of the main problems with even today. Like this is seven hundred years ago, and I'm sitting there thinking this is exactly the same as what happens still today, yeah. and I think that's why this was, film was made. It makes sense to me, and that's one thing I think it's perspectives of the characters. Now we all sit here knowing what happened, but their perspectives is what's interesting to me. The way it's put, been put across. What do you think? Yeah, I, I actually think that's a really astute point. Um, that. I think let's just say we're going to get into spoilers straight off because we have to yeah. kind of talk about the end of this. So yes, exactly. To, to that point, there's a moment at the end of this film, seconds before the duel finishes, where Adam Driver's character Legree kind of, in desperation, cries out that he never he swears to God that he never raped anyone. And 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 I think I do believe his character believes that. But he's wrong when, when he says it. He is wrong. Yeah, but I mm -hmm. think that's a really astute observation that I don't think that i think it's it's not as as simple as the rapist realizes he was wrong is punished exactly. and everyone no. goes on with their lives it's often a lot more insidious than that it requires a level of introspection that legree simply doesn't have yes and that's why i mean afford. that's why i mean it, that i was fearing being controversial because when you say he thought he didn't do it that doesn't mean he doesn't know that, that he isn't a rapist, and that doesn't mm. mean that he has no no blame. Even if the problem is with education and not knowing what consent is and all that sort of thing, he still did a horrible thing. Yeah, you know, he still is an evil, evil. You know, I don't know what that means, but he still is an abhorrent man who did an abhorrent act. Who you know mm. deserved now the justice he got in this. Obviously, we don't want that to happen these days. But he, he deserves just he deserves to be brought to justice. You know, yeah. in whatever form that that takes. So I think that that's what I meant by it being controversial. What I was saying because it's his perspective, and I, and I fear that some people would say, yeah, he didn't know. You know he wasn't <clears> taught. It's the Middle Ages. It's, it's medieval times. It's no. Like, this has clearly been made as an allegory for real life today as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the idea is that yes, we need to teach consent. Yes, we need to educate. But the thing is, you still have to be held 
uh, to justice because of what you did. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like you might believe with every fiber of your being that what you did was consensual and within the letter of the law. That doesn't mm. make it so. Like yeah, you know, exactly. you, you know, like you just if you can if you misunderstand consent and fuck up as a result then sorry but you know you gotta it's you like, gotta yeah. pay the piper and again i don't want to trivialize sexual assault because obviously you know it's it's a whole power dynamic that has been sure. bred yeah, through yeah. the society but like any other crime like you think about it if you accidentally you know made a mistake in the car and killed someone you can't sit there and say oh i didn't i didn't mean it i didn't mean it. i didn't know what i was doing you, yeah. why is it just with sexual assault that these conversations happen you know yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's because there's that grey area of, like, you know, well, or it's not a grey area at all. Like, the, there's there's yes and there's no. It's very binary. Yeah. But um, there has, for a long time, been a perceived grey area, you know, where, like, you know, maybe someone was saying no, but you could say, oh, they actually wanted it, and all that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, and that was accepted as a, as a, a you know, a reasonable defense for why you did something unfortunately we're, we're getting to a, a point in society where we can just say no actually no that's not okay like if someone if someone says no you leave them alone yeah um, and i i i honestly be- i thought this film was going to end with legree winning um because oh, mm. good thing obviously it, it happened historically the way it happened but um i honestly thought this is going to be really you know sickening yeah. It's, re- it's gonna be really sick. He's gonna win, and then she's gonna be burnt. And I honestly thought it was gonna be a real sickening ending like that, but yeah. thankfully it wasn't. Having said that, though, um, there's a real sort of uh, melancholic feel to the end. Whenever like she gets justice, but it's not really her. It's no. Matt Damon's character, Jean, yeah. who is because she's his property. Yeah, and and uh, he has to be get, reminded at the end to like as as go so to his wife. Carouge yeah. wins and is celebrating his victory, and he has to be reminded by the king of France that his wife is sat behind him, chained to a pyre that she was going to be burned on if he had lost the duel, and that yeah. this is all you know about her. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely, it's very it's very bittersweet um and even it shows I, I, a picture of the it shows the crowd with some women who seem like really like you know empowered by the fact that she she got justice mm. but that's melancholic to me as well you know because you know this is a especially this this is a time where power matters and these you know these sort of you know poor people are, are not going to be able to do anything about it and that is just like today as well yeah, it, it's it's absolutely a mirror of the power dynamics that exist in still exist in society to this day. I think mm. um, so. There's, I think, Scott had a very difficult, or and well, probably more Affleck, Damon, and uh, and, and Holocener actually had a difficult balancing act to perform in the screenplay when you're dealing with subject matter that serious. Mm. Um, to keep things kind of moving and entertaining, and I, I, I am interested because this—I mean, it's not that long a movie, but you're essentially telling the same story three times. And yeah. when, when, when you sort of uh, tell someone who hasn't seen this, perhaps like, oh, it tells the story of a woman being raped and the subsequent duel uh, for her and her family's honor. I guess that that occurs as a result of that. That's a that's a tough sell, you know. That sounds like it's going to be a rough watch. Then yep. when you say the story is told three times from three different perspectives. It's like, oh, that sounds like it's not going to be any fun. Um, And certainly those parts of it aren't fun and you shouldn't be coming to this movie if you want that bit to be fun or if you want to have fun. But 
the way they structure it i think is really clever because they start with carouge who's like this he sees himself as this like valorous noble man <laughs> yeah. and, and and which is really funny when you then see how everyone else perceives him for a start yeah um, he's a laughing stock he, he is a laughing stock but they also like you get some really good like battle sequences that just keep things moving keep the pace going yeah, yeah, you yeah. know um you know r- real real like very violent kind of blood and gut stuff that i really enjoyed and then you see legree who is you know this kind of charming uh model noble and his uh storyline rather than having battles is kind of kept entertaining through his relationship with ben affleck who mm-hmm. what what a beard what a beard ben affleck. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pierre, yeah bleached blonde hair chin strap like they're and they're, they're just carousing and they're you know romancing women and drinking and it it's it works on two levels because it's entertaining to watch and it suckers you into the charisma of Legree and the the kind of mm-hmm. the, the the valor of Carouge. Like you watch that intro and you're like, oh, Legree is a piece of shit because you know Carouge is like this. And then and then it you know there's the pullback where it's like, oh no, he actually isn't like that. And you finally get to Jodie Comer uh, as Jodie Comer as Marguerite's chapter. Well, even though even before that, Connor, I do want to step in there. In in Legree's storyline, when he actually gets to the point where he commits the act, oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know, even the way they put it in his perspective, it was yeah. so clearly a rape that yeah, was, there was yeah. no question about it. Um, for me, anyway. So so maybe the first eighty percent of his storyline, you're sort of along with him there, you know. Yeah, and no, I was questioning as well yeah. the whole time. I was questioning the whole time. Oh, you know, I honestly thought like one of the perspectives was going to be consensual. And the fact that it wasn't was so no. interesting to me and so realistic because it's all about the perspectives of the people in the Syria, in the scenario. Yeah. Like Legree doesn't think it's happened any different, but he doesn't know what he did uh, because he has had power his whole life and yeah. because he exploits that power. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think it's, it's fascinating to see the two sides of it. So from Legree's perspective it's not presented as sinister that you burst into a woman's home when she's alone with mm. your friend who basically stands at the door pretends to be someone else and when she opens the door you burst in um that's that must be because it. like the idea of a noble man coming to the door you would never let them in you know but the yeah. fact that it was a sort of a more of a commoner means that uh you know she she feels like maybe i don't know is there no danger to me i don't know yeah i i, I mean it's but it, I just think it's it is fascinating how it's very it's clearly very sinister, even though it's not yeah. presented as sinister. Um, and you know the the his pursuit of her when he's in the house is very like oh she's saying no, but really she means yes. And it's like yeah. oh this is not this is not okay. Um, she was and screaming for people. Yeah. And then obviously versions. you know yeah. in 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 her in her retelling of events, which is very clearly denoted as so at the beginning of every act uh, says the truth according to uh, Jean Jean de Carouge, uh, the, the the truth according to Jacques Legree, and then for hers it says the truth according to Le- Marguerite, and then uh, Marguerite fades away and it just says the truth, yeah. which I think is a smart that- choice. Yes. Because I, I, I didn't want the movie to get mired down in, oh, who's telling the truth here? Uh, you know, yeah. I, I feel like it has a very clear message about believing victims of abuse. Uh, it's, it's you know, very much an allegory for what has gone on in, that still goes on in the modern day with, with uh, usually women, but, but, mm-hmm. but, but not always, but people who are powerless um, with those who have power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the right choice to just be like, no, no, we're not getting into who's telling the truth here. We're 
saying this is the truth. Um, yeah, because also it is the truth because if you think about it, the way they put it across was it was the way that uh, Jean and Legree mostly were perceiving her actions. And mm. she it was showing us what she intended with her actions. Like, for example, the moment where she... She uh, yes, she said he was good looking, but she also called him pompous and called him like you know he was yeah. he was up himself. And then the moment where she's dancing with Jean, and then she looks over to him and smiles because she's like you know I know how to play the game. We, we keep the Lord sweet or whatever. Yeah. You know, in that moment, he but you know in his perspective, she was coming on to him, and that's that's what I, I've talked about with my wife before. There's a certain there's, I don't know why what happens in an upbringing of a man. There's a cer- certain certain. Maybe even women too, but my perspective is from a man. But there's a certain thing in some men that think if a woman is nice to you, it means they're flirting with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to what you said before about the the view of sex as a conquest and a relationship as a kind of as a uh, matter of ownership. You know, like mm. I, it, it's a it's a sort of adversarial relationship. Uh, uh, an adversarial relationship to sexual relationships that I think is profoundly unhealthy and um, belongs in the trash, uh, frankly. But uh, certain people yeah. still have it. But also the idea of like you know that the, that she mm. was his property, John's property. Mm. So the, the idea as well, like obviously Legree, like they, the women are viewed as like second second class citizens or like background characters, yeah. and like you know the man is the main character. And mm. although it is not legal now in our country where we live anyway for women to be the property of men, it still is interesting that the the, the, the sort of take they're giving is that maybe that's sort of the mindset is still there that mm. they a woman is there to do what what you know you are the main character and she is to do your bidding. And although it's not, people aren't going to really think that. A to B. I mean, some people are going to think that in certain corners of the internet, which you should stay away from. But but people just like sort of have these natural feelings of power, the power dynamics that are there, and the idea that that you know we talked about it, um, the idea that they're entitled to this woman's attention, entitled to this woman to do something with them. Mm. The fact that that they feel that way is actually exactly the same as it was seven hundred years ago. It's just these days it's not in law, but the dynamic is still there. Yeah, absolutely. Like the 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 positions of power and the type of person who occupies them really hasn't changed that much in mm-hmm. the last in the last eight hundred years. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Um, so I, I I think it's worth shouting out Jodie Comer's performance in this. I think Matt Damon and and Adam Driver are both both great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jodie Comer really that third act is a, a brilliant performance from her because she is kind of just set dressing in the first two you know she's the she's the doting wife who wishes her husband her courageous husband well as he goes off to fight wars and then she's Mm -hmm. the flirtatious maiden who legree pursues and and she's her point of view really isn't captured at all in those first two because because that's how those men see her and then Jodie Comer and the and the and the the, the screenplay uh, from Hall of Senna has a lot of catching up to do to get you to the point it needs you to be to be really emotionally invested yeah. in that duel. You know, you've got forty minutes or so for Jodie Comer to say, "This is actually the truth. This is who I am as a character. This is why you should feel sorry for me because mm-hmm. not just because of the rape, obviously, or uh, but but um, or not, you shouldn't, shouldn't pity people who are raped, obviously, but like." the situation she finds herself in with an evil mother-in-law and an unloving husband to get all of this stuff in for it all to feel believable and i think she absolutely nails it like i don't know about you you've kind of mentioned it but during the duel i was i was 
it's probably the most invested in an action sequence I've been for yeah. a long time. Like I was, I was like, I sh- I, I hope Carouge wins this. This will be awful if he doesn't. Um, I'm so happy that I didn't know the historical fact uh, before yeah. watching it. And like, let's just talk about how good that duel was because it needed oh. to be good. It, it, yeah. Can you imagine if this was like a damp squib uh, and it was like, I don't know, <laughs> like five minutes of like just Obi-Wan like... Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, versus uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Like, like it had to be, <laughs> it had to be like the best medieval duel we've ever seen. Mm. And maybe yeah. it isn't the best, but it is one of the best. I it, thought oh, it was yeah, really well done. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn yeah. good. And, and, you know, there's, there's, there's highs, there's lows. It's very g- dirty and gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mud everywhere and people are getting stabbed in the, in the, the legs. And it, there's not a lot of like, actual violence in it because it feels like quite a believable duel where you know you're just punching each other and knocking each other around and and stuff it's uh and the 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 conclusion is incredibly violent i will say so uh... so personal too like that's that's what i liked about the conclusion it was so personal and then the moment after where he doesn't even remember his wife he has to be reminded it's like it was so personal and then you're like oh but it wasn't personal for his wife he wasn't doing he was doing this because he was wronged in his mind. You know? Yeah, yeah. His his honor was slighted, um, so he had to, you know, he had to correct it. And um, he he like didn't even believe his wife when she first told him, um, and seems to treat the fact that he is being put in a position that he has put himself in a position where she may be burned alive and he mm-hmm. has to fight a duel he has made all the choices that have led him to that and he treats it like she has inconvenienced him by being raped which is just it's, well it's and let's such... also talk this is very subtle here Conrad, but let's also talk about the fact that they included a scene to point out something to me and so obviously she wanted to have his children she wanted to give him an heir that was her duty so to yeah. speak at the time so you couldn't necessarily say that every time she had intercourse with her husband that that was sexual assault right mm. but but there are a few times they show where jean doesn't come out looking great so for no. example <laughs> no. the the moment where she she reveals to him in her storyline that that you know that happened and and you know and that she was raped by legree <laughs> and then he then he says okay let's go right now because i'm not going to let him be the last man who had you yeah that to me oh. i you you cannot convince me that 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 john didn't you know sexually assault rape rape marguerite there as well mm. that, that that is what that is now obviously i think it was wasn't until like the 1980s where it was illegal to uh to you know for for like a rape to occur within a marriage it's I think crazy it was later than that. i think it was like yeah, 1991 so in the uk that that was crazy like, late so we're talking 700 years ago so i'm not saying it was illegal but i'm saying that is the same th- yeah. you know same thing yeah i mean absolutely i, I think it's that it's just it's it's such a brilliant movie for getting you on board with Jodie Comer's struggles as quickly as possible by Mm -hmm. as you say showing that her romantic relationship with her husband is purely utilitarian there's no romance there he doesn't care about her and a lot of their sexual encounters Mm -hmm. border on assault because she has no say in it and I think they do a good job of contextualizing that and saying well you know this is kind of how it was a rela- how a sexual relationship was viewed between a man and a woman in that day and age yeah. but it doesn't make it any better because it's also no, exactly. very, the, the movie is also or the, the, the screenplay is clearly approaching these issues with an eye on modern uh, yeah, of course moralities yeah. so yeah you're absolutely right it's 
and, and and just in case you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie yet i will say that there is a sort of happy ending <laughs> like it's 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 yeah. the the only example i can think of where um a a sort of uh not post credits but like a post fight scene uh exposition card pops up saying oh and by the way this character died and she lived happily ever after <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comes yeah, up and you're yeah. like yes! <laughs> yes get in you know fuck off carouge yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and i love as well that he went and died in the crusades as well yeah. like he's he literally couldn't stop fighting like yeah. he was he was he was always looking for the love of all the men, you know, in his life, he yeah. did, like he, he doesn't actually ever try to get the love from his wife. But you know, it was it was. I'm gonna tell you one thing. One negative, right? I, I really okay. like this film. Don't get me wrong. But one negative, and I don't even think now that I've seen the whole thing, it is a negative. But see, at the start of the film, when I when, when I'm watching a medieval film, I love the aesthetic of the 80s and 90s medieval films where there's a lot of color in them. Mm. Um, you know the wee border zoo factor, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah, and sure. this film was very like the way it was graded was very sparse of color. Yes. Um, yeah. and therefore, like even like in the opening scene where it's showing the uh the, the beginning of the duel before it cuts away to the backstories. Mm. Um, Caruso's wearing red, Legree's wearing blue, but they almost both look like they're wearing gray. And I yeah. just, I, it's I a just very look- muddy, grim film. <laughs> Yeah, there are moments with pops of color, and I understand like thematically why why they didn't. But I thought I'd mention that when I first started watching it, before I knew even what it was about, I didn't even know that, mm. that, that someone was going to get raped in it. I didn't. I honestly didn't know. So by the time by the time we got there, I was like, okay, I understand now. But until then, I was like, give me a bit of color, you know? Yeah, I I know what you mean. There's very little of the kind of. Um... It felt too Guy Ritchie to me. Yeah, I can I can see that. I think I I wonder though if. So if you had, I suppose they'd have probably fit in in the first telling Carouges because he sees himself as this like you know chivalric noble warrior. I wonder if they'd have actually changed the way it looked to have the colours lightened up and you know make it make his story seem brighter because um, that's how he sees himself. Whether that mm-hmm. would have been a little bit too on the nose, I don't know. I'd have to see it, but I, I know what you mean. Like it is a very grim movie to look at the color palette is yeah is it matches the theme which is good yeah. which is good it's a film it's like it's a film and it's allowed to have its its own theme uh it's just that when i first watched it before i even know what it was about i was like you know I'd, you know I, I long for the braveheart color you know yeah sure um yeah there's a there's <laughs> there's there's basically yeah very the only the the main color in this i'm gonna say is uh the fountains of blood that come out of people <laughs> when when the how do they come out of these uh, armor suits like how are they actually oh. like, they, they need it secure Get a bit they're, of they're too tight is what it is the armor's <laughs> yeah. the armor's cracked on, on too tight so they're all pressurized so when they get stabbed it's <laughs> yeah. like just, yeah exactly geyser of blood that flies out of them um <laughs> i really enjoy uh, you know i uh, you folks know me. I, I'm a fan of violence. You know, I like I like a bit of I like a bit of hyper violence in my in my movies. And this this tickled that this tickled that bone for me. I, tickled uh, the fancy. Yeah, I know. I I didn't mind it either. I'm not a huge violency guy. Well, I, no, to be honest, I kind of am. I like I'm not put off by gore or anything. I just don't seek it out. But I thought I thought it worked. I thought that what they did worked in this. Lovely. Okay. Right. Um. I I forgot to do this last week. Um. But mm-hmm. what would you give it in terms oh, of a yeah. rating if pushed? Well, for Knives Out, I would give it five. For this one, yeah, I'm gonna give one. it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a four star. Okay, I am. Yeah, we're in agreement on both. We're in agreement on both. I I mm-hmm. think 
I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie, and I think that's why I wanted to spend some mm-hmm. time being like, how the fuck did House of Gucci make so much more money than this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, one thing I forgot to mention that that is important is that Ridley Scott literally came out and said, when people were like, oh, is everyone talking with a French accent in this movie? And it was like, no, like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck can't talk with French accents. They sound fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and it's like, yes, you're right. So you get this kind of like patchwork quilt of like English, American, some yeah, French yeah, yeah. in there. But it kind of works. It doesn't ever feel ridiculous. But then why... How, how does the same director who has that approach to accents in this yeah. arrive at House of Gucci and be like, Jared Leto, mamma mia, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. just you just keep doing that, Jared Leto, like this. <laughs> that is a really good point. Borderline racist Italian accent that you're doing. I think Ridley Scott is spending too long thinking about the millennials, and he's you know he should be worried about his own boomerang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. Maybe, maybe actually he was sat with this having been filmed, and he watched it back a few times, and was like, the millennials aren't gonna like this. And then he started making House of Gucci, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. I know what we need here. The kid. Yeah, mil- what, yeah. What's the one thing the millennials like? That's right, Mario. We need to get the most stereotypical Italian accents in this movie. We possibly can you know what um, i also love i you know what this is this maybe this is a two on the nose right but you know what i love i love that the message that he's giving in this film is actually a message that has been driven by millennials in the last five years yeah 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 you know, it is. All like this change this, yeah. that is coming about in the world is due to maybe not millennials and maybe the next generation up definitely not his generation so oh, no. all this time we're spending on our phones must be doing some good yeah, yeah, I feel like him blaming millennials is a real like you know you you do a great job on like making making this like amazing movie with a great point to it and then you just like punch yourself in the face when you're going to the premiere or something. So it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- th- you understand that that this entire like drive for social change is from the generation that you're saying, "Well, you should get off your fucking phones and watch the movie then, shouldn't you?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. we're too busy trying to sort this shit out in real life to watch a movie's Ridley. Um <laughs> but yes, no, Ridley Scott, grumpy old man, but still very capable of making a good movie when it suits him. Um, and I think that's going to do it for us. Unless there's anything. It is my else. favorite movie. I'll say favorite movie. Last. Oh one. yes, that's right. You're saying this is your favorite movie. Two weeks in a row. It's unprecedented. I've had the same. I... The movie we've talked about is my favorite movie. I'm going to be honest. I've got the last duel written down for this as well, but I can't, in good conscience, allow us to agree two weeks in a row on our favorite movie. So I'm just going to say uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights is my favorite. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my that favorite is my favorite movie most of the time. But, yeah, uh, it's a yeah. good movie. It's a good movie. Good movie. It um, has color too, so you know, in some ways, it does. It has way. more color than this. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. Take take note, Ridley. Maybe you should like have a chat with Mel Brooks. Um, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. You can find links to their stuff down in the description below and thank you to you for watching slash listening uh, please consider subscribing if you haven't already we are the culture cave on youtube we're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps get involved in the comments let us know what you've been watching and if you did see the last jewel what you thought of it if you're one of the three people that saw the last jewel in the cinema <laughs> i especially want to hear from you because i don't know how you sort of did you are you are you on like a message board that sends around alerts when when the, the showing start because yeah yeah i think i, I think i think they, 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 they could tell the future and yeah. they knew that Ridley Scott was <laughs> yeah, going to talk about they're, they're in like a Cerebro X-Men machine they're like <laughs> and it's like it's <laughs> yeah, out yeah, and they yeah. all run to the nearest Odeon <laughs> but aside from that we will see you same same time that's the, that's the line same place next week goodbye goodbye